Welcome to the Pop-Up Pod, a new podcast that's similar to a pop-up shop or a pop-up restaurant in that it's sporadic. Sometimes it's here and sometimes it's not. Each 12-episode season dives deep into a single question. And our question for season one is this, should I get married? I'm your host, Nicole Antoinette, 36 years old, divorced, close friends with my former spouse, child-free by choice, self-employed, almost three years into a committed romantic relationship with a guy I love, and I'm genuinely unsure of how I feel about marriage, at least for myself. This uncertainty got me thinking, how do other people really feel about their own relationships? What's working? What's not working? Let's find out. 12 episodes, 12 different people, honest conversations about the joys and struggles of long-term romantic relationships. In today's episode, you'll get to meet Caitlin Bannon. Caitlin, whose pronouns are she, her, lives in Southern California with her husband of 11 years and their two young sons. In this conversation, we dig into all the minutia of cohabitation and long-term relationships. We talk about money, we talk about sex, we talk about chores, resentment, and so much more. Here we go. Okay, my dear, we are good to go. Caitlin, welcome to the show. Thank you, thank you, thank you for having me. I cannot remember the last time that I saw you, but it has been quite a while. I know. I was like, it's got to be, what, like six years or something, maybe? Some, some. I mean, what is time these days? I know. But I know. Like, wasn't 2020 like yesterday? I don't know. I, I, maybe, <laughs> possibly, right? We're in the future. We're in the past. I was refl- knowing that we were going to have this conversation today. I was reflecting this morning on, I think the first time that we met was at like a blogger's spa night in 2008. Does that sound true to you? Oh my gosh, yeah, that is. that. Like, yeah, it was you, Andrea, and like, I think we'd been reading each other's blogs, but we were like all invited to go to the same thing. Yeah. And we like got pedicures and like talked about (laughs) blogging. I don't know, I have like, my only memory of it was that then I met people that I really liked. So I was like, okay, the beginning of our relationship, you know, it was like February, 2008. So it's February now at the time of this recording, like that was many, much years ago. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my God. I think that sounds, that sounds right. Oh my gosh. That was another lifetime ago because then my other memory of the beginning of our friendship was you and me and your then boyfriend, now husband, drunk together in Las Vegas. And I've now been sober for almost 11 years. So I'm like, okay, yeah, that was another lifetime ago. Yeah, that's been a life. Yeah, I joke that Vegas has never been the same since going. (laughs) Oh, man, we did. We did have a good time, I will say. Yeah, Yeah. I was like, definitely had a good time, but also very much a different lifetime. (laughs) Like, what? I was also, it's funny, now I'm just telling you, like, here's all the things I reflected on this morning. Eventually, we will get into get into our interview. But I was also thinking that, at, especially at the time, because I essentially, like, met you and met your partner at the same time and, like, kind of became friends with both of you at the same time. And I had this really strong memory of, oh, it has to have been, like, 2009, maybe 2010. Matt, you're partner, um, was traveling through San Francisco where I was living at the time. And he and I went out to dinner. And I don't know if this, if you remember this, but I do, because I think I saw you the next day. Yeah. And, but he and I went out to dinner alone. And I remember like at that time I was still like really steeped in a lot of the kind of normative relationship culture that it's like, you know, 
it's really weird for a single woman to go out with like a partnered man, like that it felt like this, like, (laughs) oh my God, this is so cool that I get to be friends with someone that like has a girlfriend, which saying that now makes me feel, I don't know, like a lot of tenderness for my past self who thought that was like a radical thing that I'm like, wait, I can be friends with a dude who's partnered. Like it was like such a small view of relationships that I remember thinking like, wow, Caitlin's so cool that she's like, okay with me being friends with her partner. And now I'm just like, oh my God, like looking at how all of my relationships have turned out. But that like sticks out in my mind as something where I was like, I want that. Like I want to be in partnership where like I feel totally cool with like whoever his friends are of any gender. And I don't know. So that's my, that's my memory to share with you. Oh my God. I totally forgot about that because yeah I think he went up to San Francisco and I like came up the next day like we were going for something and he was like I'm gonna see Nicole on there and I was like oh that's so fun I'll see her the next day and I think you got to see both of us separately but it was so fun because he was like oh my god I love Nicole and I'm like yeah me too it's <laughs> great wow. it was so fun great. Mutual love fest for everyone. Okay, okay. So I guess let's back up. Introductions. I'm going to ask you to share relationship bio. Think of this as less what do you do and more who and how do you love? Um, My relationship bio. I love that question. But like I will say my relationship bio is I joke that I was like single my whole life. Uh, I had crushes. I was a crusher. I just had crushes on celebrities, on other boys all the time. Um, But I met my husband when I was 16. And we like immediately became best friends. We didn't go to the same high school. We were introduced by a mutual friend, but we were like inseparable, talked all the time. We're friends for like, I guess, till for two years later and just friends. And then Matt, our senior year goes, uh, I think I like you more than that. And senior year. And I was like, I'm going to Ohio. You're going to Arizona. You don't like me. So somehow he took that in stride and we stayed friends and through college We stayed connected. And then I think senior year of college, something just kind of switched and he came out and like surprised me to visit and we kissed and we were like, oh, is this like the beginning of something? And essentially we've been together ever since like in 2006, we started dating uh, like officially. And then 2009, we got engaged and we've been married since 2010. So I joke, we've I seen each story. other through a lot. Yeah, yeah right, right. Like as, <laughs> at the beginning, and you and I were talking about a lot has happened since we met. A lot has happened over the course of you being in some kind of relationship with Matt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's really wild. I love what you said about that you are someone who always had a lot of crushes. Like crush energy is so fun. Oh, my gosh. Like I joke, I was having crushes on boys when I was like six years old. Like mm-hmm. new kids on the block. They were my jam. And like I think that was like one of the best things though, about like when I met Matt, like I was 16. So yeah, I had crushes on other boys and I was telling him about all this and like different celebrities, like he knew all my crushes and he was like, oh yeah, that's just who she is. (laughs) Like, I mean, even to this day, we still talk about it of like, oh yeah, that guy's super hot. (laughs) Like, Okay. Well, that's what I was going to ask is tell me how crush energy shows up in your relationship now. Well, now I joke that he like, there's like a running joke. Like we all love the Avengers in our family and Matt loves Captain America and my kids love the Hulk and I'm trying to blink <laughs> Spider-Man. And I'm like, who's mommy's favorite? And they're, they're both like, Oh, it's Thor. And I'm like, not maybe not for the same reason as everybody else. <laughs> so oh it's like, God. it's a very known fact. Like, yeah, mommy likes Thor because he's super attractive. And like, I don't know, we just joke about it all the time. But I still have my celebrity crushes and like Matt's got his celebrity crushes. And like, there's there's no subtlety, but we accept it. Mommy likes Thor. Thor. That's a great like one liner. (laughs) (laughs) Mommy likes Thor. Thor is her favorite. Mommy needs to go to her bedroom and think about Thor. Thor. (laughs) 
Yeah. Oh my god, is it is this the part where you tell me about your Avengers sexual role play? Because <laughs> I mean, we joke that we actually do have the hammer of Thor that I got from like my job. But no, there's no there's no Avengers sexual role play. Although everyone jokes. Not yet. I think not the end yet. of that sentence is not yet. <laughs> not I'm yet. Sorry, can you can you clarify for people why because of your job you have the Thor hammer? Oh, it literally was like the actual hammer and it's like signed by Stanley and it's up in our house that it was like a prize given and there was three of them and one wasn't claimed. So I just took it. <laughs> so great. great. Yeah. So now we have it and it's like on full display and it's yeah. So we do. Have so hammer. your side hustle now, if anyone listening does want to do Thor role play, you can rent out your hammer for other yeah. people's yeah. sexual escapades. I, you didn't realize you were coming on this podcast to get so, business ideas, right? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> That's the new business venture. Who's ready, guys? <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, tell me why you decided to change your last name when you got married. Oh, I don't I don't actually know. But literally, I don't think I ever thought not to do it for some reason. Like, I love my maiden name, like, so much so that I gave it to my youngest son. Like, it's his middle name. And I think in my brain, I was thinking, you know what? Maybe one day I'll pass it on to my kids. But for me, I was like, no, I don't want to hyphenate. I just want to be Bannon. Like... I, I like my husband's name. Like I maybe would have thought about it differently if it was like a really complicated ass name or something. And I was like, nah, I don't want to have to spell that all the time. But for me, I don't know. I think, I think maybe because yeah, society, like, I feel like it's kind of ingrained in your brain anyway to be like, oh yeah, let me join my spouse. But for me, I don't even know. I don't think it even came off that way, but I was really happy to switch. So I was like, yeah, this is easy enough. I could be Caitlin Bannon. Like it works. We're yeah. The Bannons. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we're Bannons <laughs> with our hammer. Yeah. Um, I, I've been thinking about this more because so when I got married, I also changed my last name. And I obviously am now divorced. And I'm like, uh, and I kept it because, um, you know, just logistical paperwork and whatever. Maybe I'll switch it at some point. But I, too, like you, I didn't really think about it much beforehand. It was sort of just like, that's what you do. And my thoughts on relationships in general have changed so much since, you know, whenever it was that I got married, 2014. And I'm now so curious and kind of picking apart the things that we just do because we accept that we're supposed to do them versus the things that we actually are choosing on purpose. And I don't know, I, I was just curious if that was something that you had really thought about beforehand or if it was just like a very easy yes. Yeah, that was just a really, very easy yes. I don't even think Bat and I talked about it. Like, it's not like he was like pressuring me like, oh, you're definitely going to change your name, right? Or anything like that. It just was like, oh, one more thing to do after we're married of like, let me just write it down on the marriage license. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. even think we thought about it. Yeah. Have you at any point since wished you wouldn't have done it? No, because I think, especially now that we have kids too, I've realized like it makes it a lot easier. <laughs> like it just sounds like, I don't know, I feel like I don't have super ties to it. But although I do find myself still saying like my maiden name every now and then, or like other people that are married and have changed their name, occasionally I will like default to their maiden name. <laughs> and like, mm -hmm. it's just so weird. I'm like, oh yeah, because I've known you for 20 years. And now that you're married, like, oh yeah, it changes. So no, I don't think I've ever changed. Like, I think I would do it again. Like, if I had to like go back and be like, yeah, I'd still change it. Did you feel like it was a big identity change for you to, I mean, obviously there's a name change inherent in it, but going from a single person to a married person? A little bit. I feel like it was kind of like, I did like my name, especially like I joked like the random nicknames that came from it of like, K hey, rad, rad, all these different things. And like being a single person to a married person, 
Although I kind of feel like maybe not because we were together for so long that it just kind right. of like morphed. Like it not didn't feel like we were already married, but like we kind of just became like people knew us as a togetherness for so long that it wasn't that big of a change. Yeah. I guess while we're talking about language, I'm interested in your relationship to the title or the role of being someone's wife. I ask Mm -hmm. because it always felt strange to me that even after I got married, there was something about, I don't know, like being introduced as someone's wife or maybe like the expectations that I thought went along with what it means to be a wife. And, you know, I'm sure we could spend like hours (laughs) unpacking all of this, but it always felt odd to me and a little bit uncomfortable, almost like playing dress up in someone else's clothes that don't really fit. And yeah. I know for sure that's not how everyone feels. And so I'm curious, like, A, how it feels to you now and or if there was any sort of evolution for you of, you know, being a wife and having a husband and sort of the, like, centuries of yeah. expectations that can be placed on those words. Yeah. Well, and I feel like, too, it was like such a novelty at first. Like, when you're like, oh, this is my fiance. Like, everyone goes around like, this is my fiance. Like, and it was fun. And then same with like, oh, my gosh, this is my husband. But no, I think there definitely was a period where it felt like dress up. Like, I still kind of feel that, that like, I'm almost 38. And like, even now I'm like, wait, I'm the adult here. Like, it still feels like I'm playing dress up as like, not just being like, oh, that's my husband, but also like, wait, I'm responsible for other people. Wait, I'm supposed to be the one like reporting to me. I'm the adult here. Like, I feel like I've hit that wall more than like wife. I've hit more of the like, like, I don't care. I don't mind aging. Like we age. It's part of life, but it's just still the part of like my brain not totally catching up. (laughs) You know what I mean? That I'm like, wait, like I'm just such in that mentality. Like we've talked about like how long we've known each other. And obviously that was a different lifetime ago. And I don't necessarily feel like I'm stuck in that life, but I still don't feel like quite like the grown up that my parents are kind of thing. Like, mm-hmm. like, wait, you guys are the grown ups. <laughs> and they're like, no, actually, you are the grown up with your husband. <laughs> and like Right. With your husband and your multiple children. Yeah. yeah and your children. Exactly. <laughs> like, like, yeah, it's... you're the one here. Yeah. I, I mean, I feel that too, where I'm like, okay, well, when are the grownups going to come in and fix things, right? Or yeah. exactly what you said, like, who do I have to report to? And then realizing, oh, no, wait, that's <laughs> just me. me. Like, yeah. I a grown up, it me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm the one. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, husband. <laughs> do you feel like there's a difference between, like, you, Caitlin, the person, and, like, you as a wife? I think so. And, like funny enough, like Matt and I've been talking about this a little bit lately that we were talking about, like when we first started dating, even like since we had known each other so long, like we kind of knew a lot of each other's personality traits. And he was saying, he was like, one thing I always knew about you is that you were super independent. And I'm like, yeah, like I'm the kind of person that I could go eat out to dinner by myself, or I could like walk up to a group of people and talk to them. Or like I could go on a trip and not feel the need to check in with him all the time. And he was like, yeah, that's something like I've just, I've known about you and like adjusted over the course of time and he was like yeah that's you and I feel like we've adjusted of like learning each other's traits similar to like that Mm -hmm. (laughs) do you think that's more true about you than it is about him I think so like I think I'm starting to like after being together for so long too that we've figured out of like I kind of come I've been like listening more to like the love languages kind of thing and I feel like that kind of was more of a game changer of like who's like what we like and how we function as people because he's not like a, I mean, he was independent, but he wasn't like, 
I'm just going to go talk to these people over here by myself, or I am going to check in with you all the time. And I'd be like, okay, cool. But you don't have to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And I feel like we were just kind of different in that way. And it's been like adjusting our relationship that way. I kind of yeah. forgot where that question started, but that's yeah, I, I I also <laughs> forgot where that question is. Oh, it was about um, kind of your the role as a wife and what oh, that yeah. feels like. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just do you do you feel it's? I mean, obviously, you've been married for what like eleven years now, so maybe this isn't as relevant. But do you still feel like that there's like weight around that? Like you now you're married. This is so you're somebody's wife. Like, it, is there anything around that that you're like okay? Yeah, that's a big deal. I don't know if I feel like that as much as I feel like, oh, like we should be doing these things together. Like I think lately I've been getting in my head more of like, oh, we should be better about budgeting or like we should be better about like meal planning. Like I think I've gotten in my brain of more of these things I feel like we should do because like kind of going back to like, we're the adults, we're the married couple and like I'm the wife and I feel like I kind of take on some of these things too of like, oh, like we need to get this taken care of. Like, here, let me make a list. And I feel like that has kind of happened more often lately of just like what the things we should be doing. And I don't even know where I'm getting these from, but I feel like that has been more of the weight of like the husband and wife. And like, that's interesting. So you mentioned under the list of shoulds, budgeting, meal planning, what Mm -hmm. else has come up as like, these are things we should be doing. I feel like some of it is like traveling or like, granted, obviously not lately as much, but I think budgeting and like meal planning has been the biggest or just kind of like sitting down and like talking about what we're going to do lately more because I kind of feel like for a while we were not necessarily living off like the seat of our pants, but just kind of having more structure because I realized like I kind of thrive more with structure of like, okay, like what is our plan for the next few weeks? And so like, one thing that's helped is like I got one of those like wall calendars and put like Matt has like kind of a not structured work schedule and like neither do I. So I'm like, oh, kind of seeing this out. That's helped me. Like that was something to do. Mm-hmm. So I feel like yeah, yeah. Been, one of those shoulds is just like, yeah, get your shit together. <laughs> that's a should. I mean, and it, it's funny because like the things that we think are shoulds, it doesn't necessarily mean that we don't want them or that there isn't a benefit there. But is this, so using the like meal planning and budgeting as an example, are these things that weren't really part of your relationship that now all of a sudden you're like, we need to do this? Yeah. I joke that they never really were because like before, like with budgeting, like we've both always kept like separate checking accounts. And like, I think somehow it just kind of morphed in our relationship that like I handled a lot of the bill paying and stuff. And we've kind of always had like a loose budget, but lately I think especially once like kids came into the picture too, I was like, oh, this is something we maybe should be doing also just for my sanity. So I'm not always like, wait, do we have this? Like, maybe we shouldn't be spending this. And like, I think just kind of keeping leveled out. Same with meal planning. Although I joke that is also, I think for sanity's sake, instead of the ever night of what the fuck are we going to have for dinner? <laughs> like, I, <laughs> like, what are our kids going to eat? Like, do you mind if I just have like a potato for dinner? Because great, I don't feel like making anything. <laughs> so that's we try. incredibly relatable. Yeah. yeah. I want to talk about the money thing more. So you said that you have always had separate accounts. Is that in addition to a joint account or has all of your money always been separate? We had a joint account briefly, I think right after we got married, especially because we had like people had written us like, checks together. And so it was really easy to like, okay, let's just open this joint account with these checks. And then 
we realized, I don't know, I think for us, it's just always been easier to like keep our money separate instead. So I think after a few years, like we realized we weren't even using that account. Like we used it like we would withdraw money to pay for something or whatever. And then didn't really like we weren't finding any benefit from it because it just kind of would be like I was kind of handling like we had separate phones Like, I think because at the time we got together, like he was still on a plan with somebody and I had my own plan. And I don't remember when we actually canceled our joint account. But so now we just have separate accounts and we do have separate accounts at the same bank now. So like if we do get checks together, we can just cash it together. But I don't know. I think it's just made it a lot easier because I kind of just tend to handle all the bill paying. And like occasionally he'll like Venmo me or I'll be like, oh, hey, we need to cover this for rent. How are you working? Yeah, there's really no structure. <laughs> so I'm like, yeah, that's when I talk about budgeting. I'm like, I really do need to like figure this out eventually. But like right now, every month we're just like, okay, I pay this, this, and this. You pay this. And it's kind of just like a pretty down the middle trade-off. Okay, more specific questions. We're, go- we're going in yeah. on this. Um, yeah. So I'm, fasc- I'm fascinated by the fact I've never heard of someone who, like being in a partnership. I've either heard it's either you like have the joint money and maybe also separate accounts or you keep everything separate. I've never heard of someone having a joint account and then canceling it because it didn't work. So like that's really <laughs> interesting. So, okay, so all obviously you do have a lot of what I would consider joint expenses, right? Like living expenses, things for the kids. So what is the actual tangible process that you go through to have it feel equitable between the two of you? Like you said, you're mostly in charge of all of the bill paying. So is that just you're paying for that and he's paying for other stuff or yeah, talk I to mean, me about that? Yeah, it kind of comes down to that, that. Like, I think a lot of the bills come out of like my account that I've set them up as like automatic withdrawal or whatever. And then he will just, yeah, pay for other stuff of like whatever major expensive we have. Like, I forget. I think sometimes like one was like linked to his account. So like at one point he was paying for Netflix. So not even all that big, but I like switched it all over to mine because that was another thing too. I think like my credit card that I was like getting points or whatever. And I was like, let's just switch it all to mine. And then occasionally like, yeah, he would just like either Venmo me or he would like withdraw money and give me cash for things or like and stuff with like the kids. Like we signed Riley up for baseball and I was like, okay, I did like the registration fee and he went in and did like the other fee. So I okay. feel like it's not always like, I don't always keep track of like tip for tat. That's that what it's I was going to ask. Like, do you keep track of it? No, surprisingly not always. And it kind of works because I think we just kind of like loosely figure out, okay, like what's covering what. And if I need like, hey, I need some more money to add to my account because like a client didn't pay me yet. And he'll be like, oh, okay. Like I'll send you some or what have you. I know, okay, I'm very... so no, I'm so grateful <laughs> you're being honest about that because I will tell you the feeling that I am having in my body as someone who like I budget like it's like my I love personal finance I love budgeting it's like yeah. my I love it I love it so much <laughs> and the like l- kind of like loosey goosey nature of what you're describing like makes me I like I like feel anxious right like I like to drag my hands down my face like it's like what you're describing makes me so uncomfortable which is but obviously it works for you and I love that this is why I love having these conversations because hearing like how other people actually make things work on the day to day is incredibly interesting well and it's funny to me because like I love reading about people's budgeting and like I think it was like Jen Bolenbacher that like had her like budgeting spreadsheets. And I was like, this is amazing. I would love to do this. And then it just was like, no, that's not for me. Like that's not going to work. And so, yeah, we've kind of, (laughs) I I always say like, I want to be like a budgeter and like we budget, like we're like, okay, we've got enough money to pay for all these things. Like, here's what we're doing. If we want to save for something, 
we save for something like it took me like a long time to reason to like buy a plane ticket at one point too that I was like oh yeah this is what I should do but we've been talking about it more recently about just being more like I don't know like you're saying like structured with it <laughs> like having and, and something to look at it's certainly not that there's a right way to do it because like, yeah. my my partner has no interest in like the line item specific budgeting. He's tried it. He hates it. He has more of a big picture approach. It totally works for him. That's great. I think more what I'm responding to is the like loose nature of the shared finances. Oh, like yeah. that would make me so uncomfortable. <laughs> like, so so from the emotional side, like do you in your mind think of your money as like shared money, even though it's like account wise kept separate? I think so. I think especially because like we've been together for so long. I feel like I do think of it as like our shared money, but at the same time, like I don't feel bad when I buy myself. Like not that I would feel bad. That's the wrong word. But like, I don't feel like I'm diving into our money when I like go to Target. (laughs) You know what I mean? That I'm like, essentially, I think of it as all of our shared money because I'm paying for like several bills and like he's paying for bills, but I'm not going to get upset when I'm like, oh yeah, I needed like three more candles from Target or (laughs) he like bought something off Amazon. I'm like, okay, yeah. But at the same time, like part of me is like, maybe I should be budgeting better to like not do that kind of stuff because it's shared, shared separately, I guess. Yeah. Is there a dollar amount above which you will consult with each other before you buy it? If it's like an individual purchase that like, if it's something that's just for you, for example, that you wanted to buy, is there like, what is the level at which you would feel uncomfortable if there is one just doing it without talking to him first? Yeah, I don't even know when I think because I handle most of the finances. I don't even know if I would. Okay. But I feel like it would probably have to be like a big item or something. And honestly, though, I'm a pretty frugal person that like for me, it'd be more like, oh, my God, I accidentally spent like $150 at Target. Like, oh, that that's probably more than one big purchase. And like, oh, that was an accident because I went in there for toothpaste you know mm-hmm. <laughs> right you, you got caught in the target trap yeah you i went, got caught in the target you, you trap did, yeah, you in. didn't even you didn't even buy the thing you went there for and all of a sudden you have 150 dollars of other things yeah. yeah no that's interesting so because w- when i was married paul and i shared finances and i was the one who was mostly in charge of all of it and again the sharing finances we didn't even really think about it that much beforehand it was just sort of like well you're married so that's what you're supposed to do right mm-hmm. I, I didn't really turn over a lot of these stones <laughs> you know and now it's funny because i'm like so deeply looking into all of this but i think it was i think our agreement was uh, to my memory was about $200 that like we would check in with each other if we were going to spend more More. than that. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I don't think either of us like really do like, I think that would probably be something. Yeah. Like if Matt was, but I honestly like the biggest thing we bought lately was like me buying a plane ticket and he was just like, go like, do it. Like that is a thing I am full forcing you to do is buy this plane ticket. Cause I was just so like wishy-washy on well, one, the state of the world and the price. <laughs> and I was like, do I want to do this? Like, Tell me about a time where money was a point of friction for you two. Um, I would say a few years ago, it really was because like I've been doing freelance for eight years now um, of social media consulting. And so like, it's always up and down. Like if I've got clients, yes or no, like how often I'm getting paid, how much I'm getting paid. And Matt even several years ago too, didn't really have like a steady job. Like he was a handyman. And so for a while, that was really a big piece of friction. Now it's a little better as he's got more of like a steady job more in like the past couple months actually. But I feel like for us both being freelancers that that was just really, it was hard because it was more like not necessarily budgeting, but I felt like I'm not splurging on anything. Like 
you don't know what's going to happen next. And like, I don't know. I feel like, yeah. So the, the friction was that you didn't feel like there was enough money coming in? Yeah. I think that was kind of what it was. It wasn't necessarily that we were like even overspending or doing anything outside of our means. It was just kind of like one of those like, oh, like there's not as much coming in as there should be or for like what we're putting out. Mm-hmm. Well, and I would say too, not necessarily a point of friction, but like when I was trying to get pregnant with our first son, Riley, like we had to go through fertility treatments and that was not something we had planned for originally. And so like we were married for three and a half years, I think, before we started to like try for a kid. And, you know, obviously like you spend years like trying not to have a baby. And then by the time I was like, oh, let's do it. And I'm like, oh, just kidding. And like had to pour so much money into like a doctor. And I was like, I mean, luckily we had like some savings and we had family help, like people that were willing to step in, like not willing to step in, but like offered to step in because it that ended up being way more than we had anticipated. Do you remember approximately how much you spent? I think we spent like 10K is what it ended up being. And like, I felt grateful because like we could do that. But at the same time, I was like worried if it didn't work, like how much would we willingly pour into this? And like, we had talked about that too, because we had like two failed IUIs before the third one. For someone who doesn't know what that is. Yeah, that's for someone who doesn't know. I joke, it's like the turkey baster method, but like uh, intrauterine. And I'm blanking on the last word, um, but it's like the step below IVF. Like IVF is much more invasive than an IUI, but that was still like, I think like $600 or something just for the IUI. And that wasn't including like all the medication, the ultrasounds, because all of it was out of pocket, like nothing was covered by insurance. And so doing like two failed of those, and I'll never forget that like, and I think we were like, so how many times are we actually going to try and do this before we either give up or like really have to think about IVF and like save up again because that's a whole other beast of money to put through. So I feel like yeah, trying to have a kid like really tested our finances both before and then after the kid got here <laughs> that you were like, oh, wait, yeah, like we've budgeted for this. And but however, you still never fully prepared for like how much money I feel like a kid is going to cost and <laughs> like adding another body to your family. So back at the time where you said that, you know, you had two failed experiences of it and you were having the conversations of, okay, how many more times are we willing to do this, both kind of emotionally, financially? Were you on the same page about that? Or was there a time where, you know, what you were willing to do was different than what he was willing to do? Luckily, I think we were on the same page because, like, I think he was more concerned for me emotionally. Um, Like, I think in his brain, though, he was like financially like, we'll make it work. I don't care what like he's kind of like, we'll do it. We'll find the money. We'll do something like we can keep going. But he was more concerned of like, what kind of toll is this going to take on you to keep going? I mean, and luckily, the third IUI ended up being the one that worked. And so we didn't really have to have that conversation again. And then even more fortunately, with my second child, we didn't have to do fertility treatments at all. So that was just a whole lot of both like emotional and financial strain. But I feel like, yeah, that was like one of the big first challenges that we dealt with financially in our marriage. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I I appreciate the honesty around it, especially the dollar amount too. Like it's, I mean, you know me, I'm very interested in talking about the specifics of money. I just, I think that there's, there's something that's really freeing about just being willing to be honest about that. And then even that conversation of what you are and are not willing to do and like not creating any sort of narrative around that. Like it would have been really fine if at any point you two were like, you know what, we're not going to continue doing this, right? Or like going for this. And, you know, obviously this is one specific example, but it comes up in lots of different things. 
Oh, definitely. But yeah, I feel like you kind of have to be on the same page or at least like someone get on someone else's page of like, okay, I'm ready to do what's best for you. And like, even if I am willing to like keep doing this forever, like you're the one who physically has to go through it. And if it's like straining our relationship too, like, is that truly worth it? And I feel like, yeah, you're right. That comes up with like a lot of different scenarios, not just like trying to have a baby. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, I've, I have so many questions. I'm, trying, I'm like slowing <laughs> myself down for a minute to be like, where do I want to go next? Um, I guess kind of maybe sticking on the money theme and then we can move on to something else. I know it sounds like you're not doing the, you know, kind of line item, item by item budget, which awesome. Great. Totally fine. You don't have to. I am curious though, do you feel like either individually or as a couple that you have any financial goals that you're working toward? Or how do you think about, I don't know, the balance of taking care of your current selves and the things that you want and then also saving for, you know, your future family? Yeah, I feel like we've kind of been talking about this more also because I joke that we were both kind of just raised differently too. And like with money, whereas like my mom got me a credit card when I was 18 and was like, use this, but make sure you could pay it off kind of thing. Whereas now, like admittedly, like Matt and I do have like credit card debt. And I think my biggest thing is to like pay that down. (laughs) Like that, I think is like my number one goal is to like pay that down. And then kind of like you said, of like work towards saving for our future. That I think that's been something more with like my goals ultimately is that And eventually, maybe not necessarily of doing like line by line budgeting, but at least having like a more general idea. And I feel like that will help too. like, I've been toying with the idea of like going back to a full time job or getting another like solid freelance client that like having a better idea of what your income is will Mm -hmm. also help you for what you're going to save for. Yeah, totally. Did either or both of you have debt coming into the marriage? Uh, No, we did not. Okay, so it's the when you said that you have credit card debt, it's debt that you've accrued together as a couple. Yeah, that we've accrued together. And like, okay. yeah, and I'm trying to think, I said like the first big purchase we did together, granted, I think we paid, I paid it off because it was my car, was like I bought a car, I think in our first year of marriage um, because mine got totaled. So I had to buy a car and that was a big one, but like that was paid off. But then yeah, credit card debt has just like kind of slowly accrued over the years. So just kind of, I think kind of paying that down and- I think, yeah, maybe saving for more, more whatever <laughs> in the future would probably be my goal. I'm I'm interested in the emotional side of debt for you and then within the marriage, because I think it's like on the surface, debt is neutral, right? Like it just yeah. is what it is. And then we can make it mean so many different things about us, depending upon, you know, how we were raised or what our money scarcity is, or if we feel like we got into debt, um, like on purpose and by choice, or if it was forced on us, right? And obviously, I don't know the details of your situation, but mm-hmm. I would love if you could speak a little bit to like how you feel about the credit card debt and if you and Matt feel the same about it. Well, yeah, admittedly, I don't love it. And I had always been one to like always pay the credit card off 100% all the time, but we saw it differently. Like, cause we were sharing the credit card and I think like it did start to accrue that like sometimes we would like pay for something or add like a bill to it and not pay it down all the way. And then slowly, but only, and I think that only just really started though, because like we didn't have like solid incomes for both of us for a while. And so I think that like, it was stressful, I think more on me than it was on Matt, but only, I feel like that's just cause like the kind of person I was that I had always paid off anything. Like I had no debt, like I have no student debt from college um, I was really fortunate in that. I mean, and luckily Matt doesn't have any student debt either. We were both really fortunate with that. 
So all of a sudden I was like, wait, I have debt. Like I've never had debt. (laughs) And so to have that now, I feel like it's just kind of been like a slow uphill battle because there's been obviously like things to pay off first before paying this. You know what I mean? So it's like, yeah, I'd rather pay to like have my electricity on and pay for gas and pay for rent and do those things before paying down this credit card that was totally used for paying other things. So I'm like, I'm not as stressed about it as I first was. Because for me, it was like this whole new concept of like, wait, what? <laughs> like, I've never had debt ever. Mm-hmm. It's this horrible thing. And I'm like, yeah, obviously, it's not ideal, but it's not like the world is ending. Oh, my gosh. It's right. the worst thing ever. <laughs> right. If you can take some of that like emotional conditioning out of it and look at it as like, well, this was a thing that was necessary. Yeah. And... Like we needed this to live. <laughs> like, Yeah, totally. I mean, which is like very real and very relatable. Yeah. Um, has one of you always been the higher earner? Um, I think for a while it was me. Um, now I would say it's Matt because he's got a more like steady job, but at the same time, I I think we flip-flopped, but I mean, I was at an agency when we first met. So I was like at a standard, like nine to five had a solid income. So for a few years in our marriage, like I definitely was making more money because he was like working job to job. And yeah, so I think that may have even been how it like bills first fell to me being the one to pay them and organize them just because that was my nature anyway. And I was the one dealing with like a paycheck and health insurance and all of that stuff. How does it feel when you are the one who is earning more? And how does it feel when you are the one who is earning less? I feel like when I was earning more, it just felt like natural. And now that I am earning less because like I've kind of just hit a bit of a slump as I joke that the winter kind of always is with social media, that it's just more like frustrating than anything else. (laughs) Like, I don't feel like, oh, my husband's like, he's the one doing everything. And I'm like, no, I'm trying. Like, I'm like, I'm not just sitting here doing nothing. And he also has told me too, of like, don't freak out about it. Like, it's not going to help anything. He's like, and you're also raising our two kids. Like, he's like, I'm not doing that. I mean, he is, but he's like, you are home with our youngest. Like, you're trying to work at the same time. Like, I've been doing freelance work while having two kids at home for the past, like, eight years. And only this past year have I had one kid in school. So it's like the whole time I had two kids with me. So I feel like even when I wasn't making as much or whatever, I still feel like, you know what, I'm doing a pretty good job contributing and like <laughs> doing enough. <laughs> yeah. Kind of pivoting off of that, um, talk to me about the division of chores or division of labor. I mean, I feel like, you know, as we've been talking about money, it's almost like setting the scene for us to talk about sort of like daily life in your relationship, which I think is is fun and interesting. Um, can you give some specifics on you know, what the expectations are in your marriage on who does what? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's really funny because I am a super neat person and always have been. And so for me, I, I tend to do a lot of the cleaning, like just general tidiness and cleaning, or like if I see a clean, like something that's dirty, I'll wipe it down. Whereas Matt too, although he's like really good at like he'll do the dishes. Like we don't ever say like, oh, it's your turn to do dishes or it's this or like occasionally sometimes he'll be like, hey, can you do this before you come to bed? Because like he's fine to like leave stuff overnight. Whereas I'm like, no, I want a clean sink for the morning. (laughs) Like that is my persona, but I just don't feel like doing them. So I feel like we kind of do just like a random trade off. And like even today that I was like, oh, look at all those like fingerprints on the window. I guess one of us should clean it. And like I thought that like and then he went and just like did it. And I was like, oh, cool. Thanks. Like I would maybe do that later. Like that one's not important to me as important it is to like 
vacuum on occasion and like make our bed. And so, yeah, I feel like there really is no solid division that we kind of just both have an even hand in everything. However, I feel like since I'm home more, I may tend to do more of it. If that makes sense that like we do the same things, but I just may do more of it because I'm like, oh, there's crumbs. Let me use my little hand vacuum and clean them up. Yeah. Is it something that you have like check-ins about as far or like, has there ever been a period of time where you felt resentful that you like if you were doing more? I don't know that I've ever felt resentful, but occasionally I've gotten really good late, not lately, but in the past few years of just like vocalizing what I want instead of just like assuming that he would clean the bathroom while I was gone. When really I'd be like, hey, when I take the boys out, do you mind like cleaning up their bathroom because it's gross and I don't want to do it? And he's Mm -hmm. like, oh yeah, totally. And I feel like instead of assuming he would do it or like dropping hints that I really just have to be like, hey, could you do it? Because like for him, it doesn't always bother him. He's like, oh yeah, it's not that dirty. Whereas for me, it would be like, please do that. Where And like one thing that's great is that like he knows this about me also. And so like sometimes like, yeah, I'll come home and he will have just vacuumed. I was like, oh, cool. Thanks. Like I would maybe have done that later or like that was on my to-do list. And so, yeah, I don't think I've been like resentful or anything because he's gotten not gotten, but like, he's just super hands-on. And I feel like that is like years of evolution of our relationship of like finally being like, not finally being even, but just like being vocal about what we want or like what is clean to us and like, what is chores to you of like, Oh, here, I'm going to take out the trash. Okay, great. Like, I also think that it helps that we rent. I joke lately because so many times lately, like, even though I'm super clean, I was like, Oh, our kids spilled crap on the floor. Yeah, it's okay. We rent. Like, <laughs> like just bad it. It's fine. <laughs> like, yeah. What changed for you? It because you you said that you in the last couple of years have been vocalizing kind of your needs for maybe help with chores or these things. What changed to make that like to make you change? Well, I think I was starting to get resentful that like if things weren't getting done or like I was stressed and I want to say part of that may have just started like when we had kids that there was like an added level of like responsibility and an added level of exhaustion that like I kind of realized, Oh, maybe I am doing more than I should. And why the hell don't I just say something and he will gladly do it. Like he's not going to resent me for being like, Hey, do you mind vacuuming under the table? Like, it's really gross. I could see it from here, but I'm holding this baby. (laughs) And he was like, Oh yeah. So I honestly think that like having a kid, kind of pivoted how I went about things because I was like, there's no point in just like, huh? Yeah. But at the same time, like I realized there's things that like Matt sometimes will leave his clothes on the floor by the bed and it's just like his habit. He does it. But for me, it drives me crazy. But instead of like asking him to pick him up all the time, I was like, it's one of those things I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to pick him up and put him in dirty clothes. Like, you know, there's no point in making an argument. And like, if that's just how he's always been, like not going to change. And it's also not totally devastating to me, but like, But I mean, you you bring up an interesting point of what are the things that we, like, you know, if we're living with someone and like this could be in a romantic relationship or it could be a roommate or whatever, like if you're cohabitating with someone, what are the things where you just have different preferences or different habits that you're sort of choosing to accept about each other? And then what are the things that you're actually trying to make change or come to some kind of compromise around? Exactly. Yeah. I joked with Matt that I was like, the close thing is definitely... One of those things that I'm just like, whatever, I don't care. And I kind of do it with my kids sometimes too, but I'm trying not to because I'm like, no, please don't do this. Like, put your clothes in the dirty clothes. <laughs> like, you have a place. Our house is not that big. And it's just like, I think one of those things that I've come to accept. Whereas like, 
like wiping down like a, a the sink after doing dishes. It's one of those things I'm like, oh, hey, can you mind wiping that down? Oh, yeah. Like if that's not on your radar, you're not going to think about it. But for me, I'm like, oh, yeah, that is a thing. Mm-hmm. So what would you say, keeping on this theme of day-to-day life, what do you think are the most common points of friction in the relationship? I would say now it's been more, I don't even know what our friction has been about. I think maybe more with like our kids. I feel like as much as I love them, it kind of created just like a higher sense of stress of between having kids and I joke and having kids in the middle of a pandemic with one at school and a kid that's like acting out that that's kind of caused more friction that sometimes I think we argue over like how to respond to our kid Mm. of like, whereas like I sometimes will be like, just let him, let him do it. Send him to his room. He can get his energy out. Whereas Matt's more like, uh, nope, that's not okay. So I feel like our friction has kind of come more on terms of like how to parent lately that that has kind of been where we've had friction, but like, I think before where it would have been like an argument between us, we've gotten a lot better at like talking it through or not holding on to the grudge. (laughs) You know what I mean? Of like, oh, I'm not going to say this to you, but I'm just going to hold on to it. And I feel like for a while early in our relationship, we did that sometimes because like, honestly, we never really fought because I'm not a conflict person. And like, we just kind of didn't really have much to fight about. And I think we realized too, that we just needed to talk more that like, if we had something to say, like, say it, like, that was my big thing. So I feel like that's been getting a lot of whatever friction had been there, like, especially with parenting, like, talking through it, like, either with our kid or with not our kid there of like, hey, how do you want to handle this? Like, Mm -hmm. or talking about it afterwards of like, hey, I don't like how you did that. Like, because I feel like, I don't remember, like, as an example, like something happened like a few weeks ago, and Riley lashed out and Matt said something and I like stepped in and like was like, hey, Matt, like don't say that. And he was like, don't do that. Like right in front of Riley, like that shows that we're not on the same page. And I was like, fuck, you're right. Like, I'm sorry, even though I really hated how you handled that. Like, Mm -hmm. that's something that we should do not in front of him. (laughs) My bad. So A continual learning experience, I imagine. Yes. Yes, it really is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's one of those like, wait, where's the adult to tell me where to do? Like oh going back God. to that. Like, where is like, the adult? Yeah, where's right. the adult to handle this where's situation? Where's the adult to parent your kids? <laughs> yeah, right? come like, on. <laughs> you're like, Grandma, come take your grandkids because clearly oh you know what you're doing. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Woof. So you mentioned that one of the things that you had to learn was to just talk more, maybe mm-hmm. before it gets to a point of an argument. Yeah. Has there been a particular topic that for you, maybe you used to have a hard time, like particularly hard time talking to him about, or that you really had to grow into being able to talk about with more ease? I feel like one thing that he had a hard time talking about was just like how he was feeling. Literally, like, it just sounds so, like, hokey, but it was so true that it was, like, I could tell sometimes, like, if he was just shutting down, and I'm, like, what is wrong? Like, what happened? Like, did I say something? Did something happen? Like, you got to talk to me. Like, I'm not a mind reader. And I feel like that is definitely one thing that he's gotten so much better at, because, like, I joke, I've always been an open book. Like, hell, I had a blog for 15 years, and, like, I literally put my life out there all the time, and, like, you ask anybody who knows me, like... I'm very open and I will talk about everything. And he has not always been like that. Like, despite us knowing each other for half our lives that like 
he wasn't always open. And I was like, okay, for this to work, like, I can't just guess why you're mopey and hope you're going to get over it. Like, I need to know. So either like, it doesn't happen again, or I help you work through it. And like, I think going back, like I said before, that like when we first got together, like I've always been an independent person. And so like if I went on a trip to like visit my best friend, I would like text him to be like, hey, I'm here. But it wouldn't be my natural instinct to like call and have a check in and let's chat. Whereas for him, that was like, oh, my God, I need that. Like I need like that's just like the kind of person he is. And he was like, no, I'd rather like you have some downtime. Let's talk and chat. And I'm like, no, that's not me. And I feel like eventually like we've gotten on like that level field of like, okay, this is what works for you. What works for me. If one of us are away, because obviously like we don't need to be together all the time. And when we do do separate things, like what level of check-in, like in a like healthy way and like, oh, this is what works. So cool. So not one of us is mad that the other is off having fun. Yeah. And like what are, yeah. yeah. And like figuring out what the expectations are around checking in when you're doing separate things and like not assuming that the other person's on the same page. Yeah. Okay. So this makes me want to ask you, um, I have a a listener question for, from someone in our community from a new mom, like since you are a less new mom than this person. Right. So I'm going to, it's, it's a big question that she put, I'm going to read you her question and then we can talk about it. Um, so she says, how can someone in a long-term partnership that includes kids prioritize their individual needs and wants? especially if what feels true is to have extended or regular time away and alone. How to even set up this conversation, how to honor each person and their pursuits, but also you have to continue raising your kid and having a life as a family, which is also important and desired. So how? And so first of all, I think that's like a great question. Yeah, that's awesome. And like that first part, like how can someone in a long-term partnership that includes kids prioritize their individual needs and wants, especially if like those needs and wants include extended or regular time away? Mm-hmm. I don't know, I feel like that's like there's like a real struggle in that. And I'm interested, um, A, in your thoughts and then B, if there's any stories you can share of times where this came up for you too. Yes. I mean, I feel like it's so important that like Matt and I were literally just talking about this the other day because I he like got home from work and I was like hey, do you mind if I like, I'm going to go out with my cousin? Like it was a very last minute thing. And he was like, yeah, like go do it. Like you need to go do things just for you. And I feel like, well, right now I feel like having small kids is just a challenge on its own because of what's going on in the world. And so just trying to get away is hard. And I feel like that's been a thing for me too, of like, I was a person who was like going on a trip, like once a year, pre-kids and even post-kids, I feel like I would occasionally like jet off to visit because my best friend lives in North Carolina. So like, and I have other friends on the East coast. And it was one of those things that Matt was like, yeah, you need this. Like, these are your people. Like you're a better human when you come back because you need that like time together. And I feel like even if you need stuff just for you, like for me, I said like the past three years has been like reading that that has been like my thing. Like I will sometimes just ignore my kids and like sit there reading a book or I'll like go outside while they play inside. And I will say as a new mom, it's probably harder because if you've got like a newborn with you or something, like it's harder to just <laughs> leave a newborn and walk off and like detach your kid, like peace out. Um, but I feel like broaching that with your partner is really important. And hopefully they understand that, especially I feel like if you're the person that's home with a kid all the time, because you do kind of feel like, wait, where am I? Like, where's that person that existed before having a kid? Mm -hmm. I think hopefully that answered it at least a little bit, but. Yeah. 
with that, that last thing you said about where is that person, right, that existed before having a kid, do you feel like you lost that part of yourself when you became a mom? I feel like a little bit, but I also feel like, like Matt and I have talked about it, like since we've known each other since we were 16 and I'm like, yeah, obviously I'm a much different person now than I was at 16, but I'm also a much different person than I was at 26 when we got married, that we were like doing big things and big trips. And like, we did a lot of that too, with the intention of like, hopefully knowing that we were going to have kids one day and probably wouldn't want to like jet off and travel with them all the time and do all these crazy things. And like, I'm even a different person, I think, than I was, what, Riley's now seven. So yeah, I would say like seven and a half years ago that I think, I don't know if I necessarily lost myself, but I've realized what I like more. I've like, I've prioritized different things in my life than I had before. Like going out all the time for me is not all that important, but like spending quality time with good people that like I have book club every month. I like try and do dinner with some of my friends once a month and like try and see my sister outside of like being with my kids all the time. And I feel like too, especially with my oldest now in school, as much as I love him and like seeing him after school, that having that time away is also, I think, helping me regain a little of myself back with just having like one kid here who can self be a little self-sufficient while I can like do things just for me. (laughs) And like, and it is nice too, with like Matt's schedule is flexible. Like, for example, like today, he doesn't go into work until like later this afternoon. So like the morning I... I need to, I can like go do things on my own without a child that I don't always feel like I have to be mom, you know, that I'm like, oh, let me go run this errand and let me just go grab a coffee by myself for a little bit. Yeah. I was going to ask how, how important do you think it is to you to have alone time and like how much alone time do you ideally want or need versus what you're able to realistically get? Yeah. I mean, I think it's important for me to have alone time Although I joke, I was raised in like a really noisy household. Like I'm the oldest of four and I've like thrived around people and noise. And honestly, and like I've, since I've been with Matt forever, like I've never lived alone. Like I had roommates in college. I've always shared a room with somebody like growing up. Like I think I had my own room for maybe like three months. And then like in college, I think I had my room, but I shared it like a place with like four other girls or three other girls. And But I've come to realize lately that not necessarily even alone time, but sometimes just like quiet time, that that is important to me. And that's kind of become more my thing like at nighttime that like luckily my kids, I joke, go to bed relatively early at like 730. And so that those nights were like if Matt's working late, that like, oh, I've got like an hour and a half to just myself. Like sometimes I'll literally just sit there scrolling my phone or putting it down or like, or I'll read or I'll paint my nails or like just clean up the place because I'm the kind of person too that like having a clean living room like makes me feel better and like organizing what I need to do. And even sometimes I feel like as much as I want to spend time with Matt and we were like, we should spend time together that some nights he'll be like, I'm super tired. I'm going to go to bed. You stay up and enjoy whatever show you're watching at the moment. Like, cause (laughs) he also was Mm -hmm. like for me to be like, yeah, stay up and watch a show. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to, (laughs) I may even stay up too late and watch a show because I'm like, Oh, this is the kind of thing that's good for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, again, so I know that we talked about language at the very beginning of the conversation. When you were just giving those examples, I think you said, you know, last minute you were going to go out with, I think it was your cousin, right? And then at, the way you phrased it was like kind of asking Matt if that was okay. And maybe that was just the way you told the story, but I'm interested in like the communication in your partnership. Do you feel like you're asking each other 
for permission? Do you feel like you're just notifying them of what you're doing? Like, and this might seem like yeah. a small nitpicky thing, but I am. No, I know it's what almost, you mean. I, I, yeah. Right. Like I, I'm, I'm asking because I feel like I have, I like you, I yeah. have, um, lived alone very little. Um, you know, I did once for a little bit of time, but I have cohabitated with multiple partners and roommates. And I feel like I have in the last few years almost had to break myself of the habit of asking other people's permission to have my own time when like my time should be mine yeah. by default. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I don't know. So yeah, you, you say stuff now. Well, okay. Well, no, <laughs> yeah. no, no. I feel like I... I think it's a combination that like, I'm not necessarily asking permission, but I'm kind of like asking like, hey, are you good? Like, you're not too tired. Like, you don't care. Like, I know you just got home. Do you mind taking over like bedtime? And he was like, no, like, get out, like leave. Why are you asking me? But at the right. same time, it was also like notifying. And like, we talked about it literally like the next day too. Cause I was like, thanks again. I was like, it sounds weird to be like, yeah, thanks for letting me go out. Like, yeah, he's not my boss, but it was like, he was like, no, like, that's the kind of stuff like we've talked about this. Like, I don't and I think it may be like some ingrained feeling of like that. I feel like I have to ask because I feel like some sort of guilt that like, well, one that like maybe I should be spending time at home with him or like guilt that I'm like leaving him with the two boys to deal with the bedtime chaos when really he's like, no, like we need to do shit for ourselves. Like he's like, like he'll say like he's going like golfing with friends and he'll like ask me but also be like i'm kind of telling you but also asking just to like make sure we don't have anything else planned kind of thing and i'm like oh yeah and it's like yeah those are the kind of things where he's like stop feeling guilty like you need to do this shit for yourself like that's why yeah you could tell me like oh yeah i'm gonna go to dinner with my friends and he's like go (laughs) and yeah Yeah, I a, a question that I really love that has made its way like into my life and into my partnership to, to the extent that like now he'll kind of give me a hard time about it, like in mm-hmm. a joke, like he'll tease me about it, that I will ask some version of, you know, what would need to be true for you in order for like <laughs> X to feel good, right? And yeah. so like anytime I start the like, what would need to be true? He always kind of like teases me about it. But it's like, it's almost like my transitional version of not saying, you know, like, I want to go on a little solo retreat this weekend or, you know, go on a writing retreat or do whatever it is. Like, is that okay? As opposed to like, this is what I'm planning. Like what would have to be true in order for that to feel good for you? And obviously like we don't have kids. So there's like a whole, we don't have the same degree of shared responsibilities that you two have, but it's, it's like, I want to reclaim whatever that socialized urge is to ask someone else like for permission to do what it is that I want to do which is hard like it feels really uncomfortable they're like yeah I'm sorry I'm doing this it's like wait why don't be sorry like don't be sorry yeah just do it yeah and that's like essentially he was like yeah you haven't seen them in a while like go to dinner like it's not even that big of a thing like (laughs) and like I'm going to visit my best friend in April like hopefully like nothing gets canceled or whatever and he was like I was going back and forth on it for so long because it's like five days away and he essentially was just like what is wrong with you like Merry Christmas like I'm getting this ticket for you like your mom and your sister are here to help like I will be fine just go like you need this Mm -hmm. like so yeah yeah, oh, very, very real. So when I was thinking about how long the two of you have been together, I feel like one of the like tropes or most common questions that really long-term couples get is like, you know, the question of how do you keep it si- exciting for so many years, right? Or like some version of that question. But I feel like I'd rather ask you like, do you care if your relationship feels exciting? Is excitement something that's important to you? I don't think it is, actually. I mean, I think it's more important to me that I feel like 
not necessarily that we're like the same in love as like when we met. Like, obviously, I feel like our love is like we're not like, well, I guess when we first got together, like 22 year old like kids that can just skirt all responsibility and like go do this, go do that and be fun together. And for me, I was like, that was never really it. It was more of like, I feel like it's more important for me now to like still find things that we love to do together and like things we love to talk to each other about. That's not all about our kids kind of thing. And I mean, I joke too, that like, sometimes we'll still like say things and I'm like, I've known you for how long? And I've never heard that story. Like Mm -hmm. to me, like that kind of stuff is more exciting. And like, wait, you used to work where, like, how have I never heard this? And like, or just also too, of like being more, not necessarily like not exciting not more in love. I don't really know the word I'm looking for, but just kind of being more like, we don't even have to care necessarily about what the other person cares about as much, but just also be like, Oh, like I watch way more television than Matt. And I have like no one here to talk about it with. Like, I'm not going to talk to my kids about euphoria. So I'll talk to Matt about it. And he's like, I don't care about this, but I'm right. glad that you do. And so he'll like listen to me. i like, remember that guy? I just have to get this off my chest. And so I feel like that kind of like small, like crazy stuff is more important to me mm-hmm. of like, yeah, of being there for each other more than like the keep it exciting or whatever. Like, yeah. What helps you to feel connected to him? I feel like I keep coming back to this, but I feel like talking and then also like at the times where we do go to bed together at night, like it's basically just become this thing that I will just like, we'll lay, like I lay on him and he will just like rub my back for like, half an hour, I guess, before we go to sleep. And like, we'll talk either like stuff about the day that we didn't talk about, or like, he'll just scroll TikTok on his phone together and we'll watch it. Or like, I'll close my eyes and he'll watch it. And it's just kind of like spending that time together where it's just like quiet and us like, that is nice when we do it. Cause it's not every night. Like I said, cause like sometimes I'll stay up later or even like if he does go to bed earlier than me, he won't even necessarily be asleep. So we do tend to do that more often than not. And that is like one of my favorite things of like staying connected. And I think too, of like checking in with each other of like, how was your day? And like him, like telling me about his job and like his coworkers, like I may not necessarily like know or understand all of it, but I'm like, yeah, I've like, tell me about it. And he'll like ask me the same. Or like when I tell him like, Oh, you won't believe what so-and-so texted me. And he's like, okay, cool. Like, that's cool to know. Or like, yeah, remember this friend that I had way back when? Like, I feel like checking in with that kind of stuff and like making sure we're not just talking about like stuff with our kids and family all the time too. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's something else that I was going to ask you. Like what boundaries have you put in place or conversations that you've had or decisions that you've made to ensure that you're not making it all about the kids? Because it sounds like that's something that's important to you guys. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that is definitely it. And I think it's become easier as our kids are older now because they're seven and almost four. And granted, now I think it's starting to get more into the time of like, oh, they've got more activities. So stuff is kind of becoming a little more about them. But it's also been kind of like nice for us because like we're meeting some of these parents of the other kids that these kids are friends with. And so... I feel like our lives are kind of morphing a little bit in that direction, but it's also like we have stuff to talk about that's not just like, okay, what happened at his school today? What did Reese and I do at class? Like, I don't know. I feel like it's just finding a good balance. And I think so far we're doing a decent job of it. And like, even even when we've gone on like dates or whatever, that we make sure it's not just 
oh, remember when Ryan did this? Remember when Reese did this? Oh, how was your day? Oh my God, I can't believe our kid, blah, 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 blah. That it's more like, oh, like, what are we going to like watch tonight? Or like, oh, how's your friend doing? And like, how are you doing? <laughs> like, wh- wait, what are our plans this weekend? Like that kind of stuff. <laughs> like, Yeah. I mean, my like point of relation to this is it can be very easy for me to talk about work all of the time mm-hmm. and like compounded by the fact that I really love my work a lot. And there's some crossover with people between like, you know, are, is it work or are we friends? Or is that <laughs> like that there's, is there some more gray area there? And I find that I really enjoy talking about it. And it's not that he's not happy to listen or anything like that, but you know, we, there will be times where like, okay, like we're intentionally not going to talk about work, you know, at during mm-hmm. this dinner, or it's the same thing of like, okay, we're going to have like intentionally, there's no phones in the room during dinner. And just like some of those, yeah. either like habits or things that it's really easy to slip into to just like, for me, it's been important to name, almost name in advance, like, oh, this, <laughs> this is gonna... not a space to talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I feel like sometimes we just have to be like, okay, we don't want to talk about this anymore. Like we've had like, issues with like both sides of our family sometimes and it's like sometimes it's like knowing that boundary of like how much do we want to keep talking about this before it like drags us both down and like taking a break from that yeah Uh, that you just have to be like you know what we're gonna just put a halt on this tonight or like let's talk about it more in the morning like or you like vent about it and then okay we're done for tonight like that's it like yeah Oof. I, yeah, we, we also have both had some more, it's like, I don't want to be too dramatic, but like we have both had like a heightened amount of family stuff in the last year. Let's call it that. Right. With like each of our individual families of origin and, uh, a, a not cute habit that my partner and I share is it's very easy for us to just kind of like downward spiral off each other, right? Where it's like, we're both on the same side of the issue. Like if eventing has already happened, there's literally no, nothing productive happening from like continuing to, ugh, and this, and this, and this. And it's it's like the pile on, right? And you just keep doing it. And like, we always feel worse after. And we'll notice it sometimes like in the, in the, like in the afternoon or the evening when we walk the dog that like, we spend like half the walk going deeper and deeper into this like like righteous indignation or rage cycle. And then like one of us like p- stopping and being like, hang on, is there anything else that you actually like need to be heard about or need to say or need to brainstorm, right? Like, is there a point to this anymore? And if not, can we just, can we be done? Yeah, right? exactly. Like, like yeah, we just got to yeah. like draw the line of like, okay, let's be done with this for tonight. And like, yeah, be done with this for now. Like, let's get it out and be done. <laughs> yeah. And that's, yeah, that's, it's very, it's, it's like being honest with yourself about what your like communication black holes are almost yeah. where it's like, yeah. we can fall into that so deeply. Oh my God, and yeah. for what? It doesn't help. No. Like, yeah, it just lets you rage, but nothing is changing here. So. And I I also find that, like, this has been a learning lesson for me that I used to think that venting about stuff was really cathartic and really productive. And I think it can be to a very small degree. Mm -hmm. But the tipping point at which it goes from being, you know, a cathartic outlet to being something that just makes me feel worse. Yeah, just like it's like so much smaller than I thought. I know. I we were talking about that because I was like, I am just feeling way down. Like the more we talk about this, like or the more I think about it, I was like, this is dumb. Like why I can't no. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whew. Um, 
we've talked about so many good things already. Um, so you mentioned you've been married for 11 years, obviously a long-term commitment. I would love for you to share a couple of the specific things that you are committed to within your marriage. Like what actually are some of the most important commitments that you feel like you have made and keep making to Matt? And what are his commitments to you? Ooh, that's a good one. I think like some of our commitments have been to like, I know that we are really committed to each other. Like that is one thing too, that we have been like super committed to being honest too, because we obviously like as all couples, especially in such long term that we've had issues with honesty and trust for a while. And I feel like being very vocal about that. I feel like I keep coming back to just talking, but I feel like committing to being open with each other, I feel like has been one of our big things lately that Mm -hmm. not holding it in because it doesn't help anybody. And I feel like being committed to asking for help too, when you need it, because I think for a long time, and I think especially like when our Riley was first born, I, I think there was like a day I'll never forget that. Like, I think it was Matt's like first day back at a job. And so it was just me and the baby home all day. And I like, came he came home and i was just sitting there like sobbing and he was like are you okay and i was like i'm fine and he's like no you are not like ask for help like obviously new mom like it's a whole that's a whole beast on its own and i think like from that day on too i realized i was like oh i have such a good partner here who wants to help me and like wants me to be okay that i think like that day he literally was like i've got the baby like go on a walk, like get out of here, like go do something. And was just kind of like realizing what the other person needs without Mm -hmm. always knowing. Like, and I feel like those kind of things are something we've committed to, too. Not like grand gestures all the time, but just kind of like doing things for each other and not necessarily always like expecting something in return, too. You know what I mean? And I feel like we both benefit from that, too. Like, I'm not a big, like, gift giver. Like, I feel like Matt is more of a gift giver, whereas I am more of, like, a doer or, like, a an act of something or, a, like, a... Acts of service. Acts of yeah, service. In the love like, languages. What is the yeah. Word? yeah, in the love languages. Like, that's more of, like, my thing. And, like, he is more, like, one, a person of gift giving. And so I feel like switching what we expect, too, that I'm like, oh, you know what? I think you would like it if I bought him that Three Musketeers today. Like, just something little and, like, fun and, like committing to like mm-hmm. I think doing that kind of stuff and just kind of I feel like being open has been yeah. a good thing for us. Yeah, that's a, a beautiful list of commitments. Where does monogamy factor into that for you guys? I think monogamy, yeah, is like at the top of the list. Um Okay. Yeah. So was that an explicit commitment to talk to me? Tell me everything. Yeah. Is it something you feel like you decided on? Is it something you check in about? It's not something we check in about because I think it's just expected that we know like okay. I it's it's like I joke it's like this really corny story and feeling but so like I said I was like pretty much a single person my whole life until Matt pretty much and I will never forget like when we kissed when I was in college and like he went back home and I like looked at my roommate and I was like I have a feeling if I start dating Matt we're never breaking up that I was like I think he is the one and like like I don't see any reason why I would ever break up with him or why I would ever want to be with anybody else and I think from from his side of it, too, like his parents' relationship kind of split and partially like due to infidelity. And I feel like that was a big thing for him, too, that he was like, I would never like cheat on you. Like, I want to be with you and you only. 
And so I feel like from the get-go, like when we first started dating, that that was just talked about and like has never been brought up again because we're like, mm-hmm. yep, we're, we're it for each other. Like we're in, that's just who we are with the occasional Thor. <laughs> like, yeah, right, right. The Thor well, no, like, yeah. I mean, like yeah. all joking aside, you know, cause you started out this out talking about crushes. I, and obviously, so I'm projecting right onto you, like, feel free to be like, no, this is incorrect. But like, I can't, so you've been married for 11 years. You've been together for a lot, for longer yeah, than that. For 16 I, years. Yeah. I can't see a scenario in which one of you has not had a crush on somebody else. Yeah. And so maybe, maybe that's not true, but like, if so, have you talked about it? Like, what is, tell me about that. Yeah. Well, I mean, literally the only crushes I've had have been on like celebrities and okay. it has been like, oh, and that's it's fascinating to me. And it's so open too that I'm, but the funny thing is that like, there was a point in my life where like people always joke of like my cheat list, like these five celebrities I would meet at one point I had met my entire list. And, oh, like, I remember that. I remember that. And everyone was like, <laughs> oh my God, Caitlin. I was like, I mean, and it wasn't my list to, like, cheat. It was just, like, here's my top 10. And I had met them all. And it was so funny because everyone was, and they were like, well, who's on Matt's list? And he's got, like, a few on there. But, like, and I will never forget, we always joke about this, like, to this day that we had run into this girl that we knew. And we said, so, oh, like, oh, what movie are you going to see? And I was, don't even remember the movie, but I was like, oh, with Ryan Reynolds. And the, and her friend was like, oh, he's so hot. And I was like, yeah, he is super hot. And then the girl said like, oh, she can't find him attractive. She's she's with Matt. And Matt was there with me. And Matt was like, I find Ryan Reynolds attractive. And right. like, yeah, like, of course my wife could find him attractive. So yeah. So for being a girl of crushes, I literally, yeah, I honestly can't say that there's anybody like real in my life that I've had a crush on. Only, yeah, only, I joke, fictional. I'm like, celebrities are not fictional. They're real people, but literally they, they definitely are really people especially when i've met them and like <laughs> but no and yeah somehow i joke that like i don't know i feel like too i've been more intentional too with like even matt that i'm like i i find him more attractive i think today than even maybe when we first even got together and i don't even know like i think so what do you attribute that to i don't even know that i'm just like maybe it's because like we're just growing older together. And I'm like, cool. Yeah. You're a good looking older dude. I like this. Yeah. <laughs> like, I like this. I like what I'm in for. Uh, <laughs> like, one of my favorite things uh, is to go is for when Jet and I go to the gym together. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, I just, I feel like very, like if we weren't <laughs> together and if this wasn't contextual, yeah. I would feel like very pervy about it. But I'm like, I just like love watching him work out. And I'm, and in my mind, I'm just like, you're so hot. Like what's happening? he'll like look over and like he knows that that's what I'm thinking and he's just like trying to lift his weights and meanwhile yeah. I'm like having a whole experience at the gym where I'm like <laughs> um so yeah. has it ever come up the other way where Matt has had a crush on someone else that he's brought up to you nope no I mean fascinating I mean, I'm fascinated by this Caitlin yeah well we joke like we've watched like what were we watching like we joke he is such a type and I joke that I pretty much we joke that like I have a type too that it's like the Charlie Hunnam Chris Hemsworth like that is my type. And it's funny because some people are like, your husband kind of looks like that. I'm like, yeah, that's true. And his type will be like, for a while, who was it? It was like, well, like Mila Kunis and like some other, I'm trying to blank on what her name is, but literally it was a girl who looked like me. That was like, like a light skinned black girl with like curly hair. And he was like, oh yeah. Like, well, we'd watch something. And he was like, oh yeah, she's pretty hot. And I was like, yeah, she is. Like, because she kind of looks like... <laughs> You're like, thank you. Thank, thank you. you. And he was yeah. like, yeah, obviously. Like, of course I'm going to find her attractive. That's my type. And I was like, oh, yeah. 
Okay, so should this change in the future where you do have like a crush on a non-celebrity person or this does come up, would you feel comfortable bringing that to Matt? I think I would. Well, and I feel like even if it wasn't a crush, but like, well, it's funny how you talk about like how when like when you went to dinner with Matt that like I think for a while, like if I went out to dinner with like another person, like a guy or something, I feel like that would be different. You know what I mean? Of like, oh, I have like this work friend. Granted, I joke. I don't really have like office mates anymore and work friends. Like, <laughs> also, like be- being a solo self-employed person, <laughs> yeah. right? You like don't. I was yeah, like, I yeah, know. I don't have like coworkers to go like hang out and have lunch with anymore. So I feel like that's right, my really like, hot friend. coworker. It me. me. I'm the hot coworker. It's me. Yeah. I'm bringing a mirror to, to lunch. Right. <laughs> right. My self-esteem is doing great. Yeah. yeah. So I feel like if that did ever happen, I would tell him. But I'm like, I honestly, I don't foresee that happening. I feel like too, my brain is just so wired that like. Yeah, you're it. Which no, it's great. It's, the, I, I'm obviously I would have been happy with any answer that you gave, right? Yeah. Like I, all I want is honesty. But you know, I know I know that you've listened to other episodes in the series so far, and that there is a huge spectrum in terms of you know monogamy or how people feel about this or you know sexuality spectrum. And it's one of the reasons that I'm so. I feel really honored and grateful to be having these conversations because there's something that's really comforting and permission giving for me to hear about all the different ways to do things, right? Like it's throughout these conversations, I, cause like what you just shared, I can't relate to that. Like that's not my experience of, you know, this is my one person and I never have feelings for anybody else. And that's never a thing that has to be dealt with. Like that's not my experience. And yet I find it really both like mind expanding to hear that we're different in that way. And then also it makes me more confident that how, what I feel is true for me somehow. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's just like really nice hearing other people be honest, even if that honesty is different. Yeah. Well, and I feel like too, that we're such not like an odd story, but it's like, you don't hear that every day of someone like you meet the person you're going to marry when you're 16. Like, obviously we didn't know that at the time. And I think part of me was even a little hesitant when we first started dating because I was like, like how I told my friend that I was like, if I get with him, like, I don't think we would ever like have a reason to not be together. And I think a little part of me was like, should I go out there and like date other people? But then the other part of me is like, what are you doing? Like, there's this great guy here who you've known for years and you know, like everything about each other or like everything you can in four years time or what have you, or six years time, I guess. And yeah. I mean, so especially given your situation, something that I've been thinking about which, to be honest, I hardly ever see talked about in any, like, non-surface level way is, and this might be too strong of a word, but, like, the regret or maybe not regret, but the curiosity or even just the internal wondering about what other lives you could have led if you hadn't gotten married, right? Yes. Or if you weren't in that partnership. Is that something that comes up for you? Oh, it's definitely come up for me because, well, I say, too, that, like, when Matt first told me he liked me, like, our senior year of high school, I was like, I told him, honest to God, I was like, I don't think we would have stayed together if we had started dating then. And like, our lives would have been totally different. I was like, me telling you no, I think was the best thing that could have happened because like, he went off to college, like he had a serious girlfriend for like a year or two. Like, I went off to college and I had four years of fun. <laughs> like, I and I was like, and I needed that, I think, to like, not necessarily like, yeah, be on my own, but like not be tied to someone who wasn't even like with me in that same like area and like being able to like make out with other boys or do whatever. And test that out as a 20-something on her own for, like, the first time. And so I have looked back on that. Not, and But then I think the second time around, yeah, like, when we finally did start to date, I was like, okay, yeah, this was the good choice. Like, I think this is what it was meant to be. And I think, too, because it did help that we, like, had so much history that we 
our friends used to joke that we had gone on like the longest first date ever because <laughs> it was like one of those like get to know you. And there was none of that because like by the time we started dating, like we already knew our families. We had a lot of the same friends. Like we kind of knew like what the other wanted in life kind of thing. Like we both knew that eventually we would want to get married and like want to have kids because I think somehow that had come up in our years of just being friends. Right. So, you know, you just use the phrase like, oh, you know, that maybe it was meant to be. And earlier when you said, oh, okay, like I met Matt, like he's the one. It's interesting, those phrases, I want to kind of dig into that a little bit because I have realized that I, for me personally, don't believe that that's true. Like, I don't believe that there's a one for me. I think that I could, I think there's lots of different people that I could be happy with. I think I could be happy on my own. I think that there's lots of different paths that would be fulfilling for me. And I don't believe that any of it or any relationships necessarily are meant to be. And I'm curious how you, like, if those were just phrases you used, or do you, like, do you believe that Matt is, like, the, like, do you believe (laughs) in kind of soulmates to that degree? I don't know, because, well, part of me is, like, I think we, like, we met, I think, at, like, the perfect time kind of thing, too, that, like, your teen years are so formative, and, like, we spent literally, like, so much time together, like, we had a big friend group, and we were all together, and, like, part of me does think that, like, we came into each other's lives for a reason, and, like, Mm -hmm. over those years, like, obviously, and those feelings developed in how we worked out our friendship, and I do think, like, I would say, like, that, yeah, maybe he is my soulmate, but at the same time, too, I'm, like, God forbid that, like, if he, like, died before me or something like when I was young do I think there would be no one else out there for me like I hope not but like I hope if something like that horrible again that I would maybe not find the same kind of connection that I have to Matt because obviously like you can't really replicate years and years and years of a relationship over again like that so I feel like in a way he is my soulmate but at the same time I feel like maybe not the only one. Right, that it doesn't have that scarcity feeling of like, this is my only chance to be happy. Exactly, that like if something did happen to him, like I would never be happy again. Like I would never find love again. Like I don't think that part's true. But I do think that like he is my love for, not my love for now, my love for, yeah. Is my one for however for, long, for however yeah. long, forever and ever. <laughs> so I I know you just mentioned that as like a worst case scenario of you know like he dies early or that kind of thing. How often do you two talk about death? I mean, we. I said this is me so terrible to say. Like we joke. Like the movie P.S. I Love You. I joke just like wrecked me because like spoiler alert if you've read it like the husband like dies in the beginning and then the woman is just like a wreck and I'm like oh my god that would be me like I would be a horrible person if this died and I I feel like the past year or two I feel like we've had to talk about it more obviously as I think everyone has had to talk about it more been exposed to it more but I mean it got really real for us when we had to like write our like trust and will and like what would happen if we died like for our kids but I don't think we talk about death all that often, like between like if one of us were to die, but yeah, I don't know. I just know that like when I do see things of like movies or shows and like a spouse dies that I get like this like ache of like, oh my God, like that would be horrible. And then I think sometimes I'll spiral and be like, oh my God, don't do that. (laughs) Like what is wrong with me? Why do I go down that path? Mm -hmm. Like, Well, I mean, yeah. we are all going to die, yeah. right? So well, like, like, all yeah. of my joke, like, they all die, like, when they're, like, young or, like, something horrible happens, some tragic event. I'm like, oh, yeah. I know. I can't, I, can't, I can't watch it like that. That's not – you know that. That's yeah. not <laughs> yeah. Um Cool. So we've talked yeah. about money. We've talked yeah. about death. Let's talk about sex. <laughs> yeah. Right? Is that what's next? Yeah. Yes. So you, meant, you, you mentioned that you are 
you feel like almost more attracted to Matt now than you did at the beginning, which yeah. I think is really interesting. But backing up from that a little bit, when it comes to sex in long-term relationships, what do you wish that people were more open and honest about? Like, what do you find yourself being curious about? I feel like people would be more honest that, I don't know. I joke for a while that it felt like people have to be so physical all the time and like, having sex all the time. Like you're newlyweds. You must be like getting it on all the time. And I feel like that's not the case for everyone kind of thing that like, I mean, it's definitely not the case for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, and like, and also like acknowledging that like your libido changes over years and like, you don't always want to have sex, but like, like I said, like how we lay in bed at night together. Like sometimes to me, that is like, not necessarily, obviously that's not sex, but it's just like, yeah, like I'm okay just doing this. (laughs) You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So for you, you're craving more honesty around kind of the changes in sex over time. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I think, yeah, that'd be a good way to put it. Exactly. Well, no. And I was just going to say too, that like, yeah, being together so long and then like we were together, well, yeah, like in our early twenties and then like introducing kids too, I feel like was a different thing too, because I think we had to have a lot of conversations about sex, like after kids, because like, Honestly, that took a toll on me and my body and even like wanting to have sex that it took me like a while to get back to it of like finally even like not necessarily feeling good in my body, but being like, I don't want to be touched anymore. (laughs) Like, stop touching me. Like, and I feel like I went through that with like both kids, too. And like, we've kind of just had to like navigate, like, what does your sex life look like now with kids? And like, how do you feel (laughs) like in general? (laughs) And I feel like you, like as a person, like you both just kind of change on like your desires of like what you want with sex too. Oh, yeah. I'm I'm really interested in the evolution of this. If you are open to it, like talking a little bit more specifically about if you compare kind of where you are as a sexual couple now versus maybe, you know, 11 years ago when you first got married, what what has changed and maybe what has not changed? Yeah, I would say... Right now, I feel really good because I feel like what's changed is, like, we both are, like, kind of on the same page of, like, we, we're we not, like, keeping tabs of, like, oh, we've only, we had sex, like, five days ago. Like, we got to do it again. Like, and I feel like we kind of went through that phase that I feel like a lot of couples do that they're, like, oh, no, like, we haven't had sex in a while. Like, something's wrong with us because I think there was a while, like, right after our kids that I finally, like, I was keeping, like, a tab in my brain of, like, oh, my God, we haven't had sex in so long. And then I was, like, wait, why am I doing this? I was, like, we're fine. I'm just not ready there. Like, Matt's body is worn down, too, from his job. Like, he had a very physical job that I was, like, yeah, it's okay. And so I feel like my expectations of, like, what we do together and, like, how we do it is definitely evolved more mm-hmm. <laughs> and like adjustment. And well, and I think two year <laughs> sex at like 22 is way different than 38 too of like, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, I'm trying to think yeah, and 32 and like and 22. And even then we weren't even living together. Like for, I think for like the first two years of our relationship. So I feel like that too, that like sex was more like craved and like, Ooh, do it when you can. Whereas now like you're adults, you live together. Like <laughs> you can have sex whenever you want. Well, I guess not whenever you want when you have two kids, but <laughs> you can have <laughs> yeah. sex and make it work. <laughs> 
Yeah. I mean, you're bringing up some really interesting and I would assume really like widely relatable points of the like keeping track and wondering like, what does that mean? Right. Like weighing what you feel in your body and what your what you want, what your partner wants, like what's actually present in the relationship versus whatever story you're carrying around about like what you should be doing or like the frequency that you should be doing it. There's like something very real there of having to navigate like what's true for me versus like what expectation am I placing on myself to perform in a certain way sexually? Exactly. That I'm like, oh my God, like we only had sex like once this month. Like, but I'm like, who is keeping tabs? Like I am keeping tabs. And for what? Like for who? Like yeah. this isn't a competition with other married couples. Like, no. <laughs> like, hey guys, <laughs> Although give me I would tally. watch that reality yeah. show. I'll tell you right now, I would watch that. No, something, yeah. something, speaking of sex, something that has, um, come up for us, for my partner and I in the last, you know, I was going to say a couple months, but like over a year at the time that we're recording right now, we're in the process of renovating this house that we're going to move into. And we're so we're still living with his dad, you know, which we have been on and off since fall of 2020. And for anyone who has ever done like the multi-generational living or living with it, like not sexy, right? And especially during a pandemic where everybody's home all the time, like there's just not privacy. And like, it started to feel like, okay, his dad's out for an hour, you know, like this is our chance. We should have sex now. Like, I felt like I was in high school like this almost and like not in a cute way and that I was feeling like I was putting so much pressure on it and we finally like got to the point where we had a couple of instances where either like we went away for the weekend and like stayed at an Airbnb or you know this past holiday season we were down in Florida visiting my parents and we were staying at a hotel and like when the circumstances changed our sexual connection was really strong and really easy and like so joyful. And it was like these couple of times were good reminders for me that like my, I'm so hard on myself and my default is to like make myself the problem to be fixed. Like what's wrong with me that this isn't happening mm -hmm. when actually sometimes the situation is the problem. Yeah. <laughs> and like what you said about like, you've just had kids, right? Yeah. Or like that what you don't need to be different. This You ha need to give enough time and space for the circumstances to be different and then like trust that things will kind of come back. And that's been hugely freeing that we were just kind of like, you know what? We're not going to pressure this right now. Like our relationship is great and strong. There's other ways to be connected. When we live alone together, I'm sure we will resume having lots of sex or not, you know, but... It's, or yeah. you'll be having sex not at like a forced time of like, oh, and go. Like, yeah. Yeah. Then that it just like wasn't feeling good to me and wasn't feeling good to him either. And it was just like so pressury and realizing like there's nothing wrong with us. Like, we're just in a hard situation. Cool. Can we like take the pressure off? Yeah. Exactly. I feel like we've kind of gone through those like waves as well. Like, oh, yeah. Like, it's fine. <laughs> we are fine. When you mentioned like libido changes over time, will you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Well, I'll say like, well, I feel like in my 20s and like living apart, it was kind of like one of those things that like, oh, we're together finally. Like, okay, let's have sex. Let's have sex. <laughs> Whereas like, I think over the years, it kind of like became a little more like, okay, we live together now. Like we don't have to try and like take opportunities all the time. But I feel like too, as I've gotten older and like between like both of us like working and having like Matt had like a really physical job and just having children that like, yeah, I feel like our libido like comes and goes, you know what I mean? That it's like also just depending on like how the week is of <laughs> like, oh, you know what? Yeah. Maybe let's try and have some morning sex or whatever. Or how about not like get off of me? I'm so tired. Like I didn't sleep. <laughs> it's yeah. like, no, maybe another day. But I feel like it's just kind of changed over the years of like coming in waves. And I even remember like talking to my doctor about that too, of like, wait, will I feel like, is this normal? And she was like, yeah, 
like they always say like a women's like libido is different than men's anyway but i feel like to even have for having kids that i for a long time like just took me a while to be like what like you want to touch me? Like, didn't we do that? Mm -hmm. Isn't that how we have two kids? Like, no, (laughs) like, (laughs) like, no, (laughs) but yeah, I feel like it's finally at like a, that we're kind of like on the same page recently, which has been nice. Mm -hmm. And I I like bring it back to like the talking about it too, of just like, and I feel like two of being more physical, like throughout the day has helped too with our sex life of just like, like just like a pat on the shoulder or like grabbing each other's ass, even if it's just to be funny, like it's still something and like not necessarily yeah. like cuddling on the couch, but like, oh, hey, like physical activity, like throughout the day, I've realized, too, has definitely helped us like be closer sexually at night, too. Of just yeah. like, oh, no, oh, yeah. I mean, that, that makes complete sense to me, right? That it's I'm not someone who can just like light switch, turn it on and off. And like, that's part of what has been so pressuring of like, OK, like we've got this one 45 minute chunk of time where I'm like, no, I was I'm like, just I'm working. I'm not in that. Brain yeah, like, space, I can't put yeah, my there. <laughs> Right. And like expanding what intimacy and sensuality and like physical touch, like how it it can incorporate so many different things and like really expanding my own definition of like sex and what a sexual connection is over the last couple of years has really helped also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I definitely Mm. agree. (laughs) Anything else about this that you want to talk about or anything we haven't talked about so far that you're like burning to Uh, mention? Oh, my God. I know. I feel like we've covered everything, which I love. And I know it's just been really funny to think about and like look back on everything. Especially because I feel like it's, it, like you said in the beginning, like it's fun for you because like, you know, both me and Matt, like really well. That I know. Kind of hearing, yeah, Matt was like, can I just join in and add to this too? And I was like, no, you cannot. But, oh my but God, that, that would have, that would have been fun. I know. Also, I know. That would have been fun. <laughs> um, awesome. Well, that is a good place, I think, to start to wrap up. Um, the last couple of things I will ask you, if you could leave folks with one affirmation of sorts based on our conversation, what would it be? Like, what is your little wish or pep talk for everyone listening? Oh, I think my pep talk would be, although I feel like it's kind of hard for some people. And like, I feel like I just keep driving this home of just being open instead of making assumptions in your relationship, like just be open and be front because I feel like that's been just the biggest game changer for our relationship is just like talking things through and talking about them and not just like assuming the other person's going to do something or assuming that the other person meant something else, but of actually just talking about it. And I feel like that has just, especially in such a long-term relationship that like, you think you know what the other person's going to do. I'm like, no, you don't always know. So don't act like it, that just talk. (laughs) Like... (laughs) It's, it's a great reminder, like taking the responsibility of, you know, being an open communicator and like being clear and like being clear is such a generous thing to do, I think. Yeah. And I think too, I mean, I feel like for some people it is hard because they're used to like keeping it all in. Like you could ask Matt too, that it even was probably hard for him for a long time to like open up because he was really used to just kind of like not necessarily suppressing his feelings, but like he was not always vocal about everything. Whereas like I said that I'm like, uh, what? Like, just tell me everything. Like, I'm so open. Like, tell me all your things. Like, I will tell you all of mine. Tell me all of yours. And I feel like that is, yeah, that's just a big, that would be my, my piece of advice is to be open. Yeah. Love it. What is the best place for people to find you and say hi if somebody wants to do that? Do you have a way to connect with new folks? I know I joke. I used to live on the internet, but my blog is no more. However, I mean, I, I my Instagram is public, so I always tell people my Instagram is at Caitlin B. And on Twitter. I'm still on Twitter, and it's at Caitlin. So that's pretty easy. I, I can put links in the show notes, but 
yeah, that I mean, that's a whole other conversation of like living publicly online, right? Like through a blog or through whatever for so long and then like stopping and stepping back from that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, good for you. you yeah. I was going to say you got out, but no, I, don't, I, I, I love it. <laughs> I joke. I got out, but I'm still pretty open on like Instagram and Twitter, but not to the same degree of like, here's an entire rundown of what I did this weekend. <laughs> like, totally. Yes. Um, Kayla, um, this was such a treat. Thank you so much. I know. Thank you so much. This was so fun. Thanks so much for listening to this very first season of The Pop-Up Pod. All of the intimate and honest conversations you'll hear on this show are 100% listener-funded, paid for by my sliding-scale Patreon community. That means no ads and no sponsors, just a couple hundred people coming together to ensure that everyone involved in making this podcast gets paid. That includes me as the host and creator, my sound engineer and musician, Adam Day, as well as every single one of our guests. The Patreon community also funds the creation of a full transcript for each episode, which you can find in the show notes to help make these conversations more accessible for all. Those are our production ethics here at the Pop-Up Pod. And if that aligns with your own values, I would love to invite you to come check out our community at patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. It's a fun, easy, and welcoming space. You also get access to lots of bonuses. And remember, it's run on a sliding scale. So you can pay whatever amount makes most sense for you each month, depending on your circumstances. That's patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. And hopefully I'll see you there.